Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi, Guthrie. And we have a special guest today, Alfonso De La Nuez, co-founder and CEO of UserZoom. Hello. Hey there. How are you? Doing well. Um, so, S- Susan, this is, I mean, you... This it is was a, my idea. Yeah, this is this is yours. So I'll let I'll let you uh, you you jump in. All right. So um, I wonder. I remember Alfonso. I don't know if you remember, and maybe we don't remember the same thing. But I remember when I first met you. Do you remember that? I think I do. I think All I right. do. So we should we all share share stories. So what is your memory of the first time that we met? <laughs> um, I think it was a either UPA because it was not UXPA. I think it was a UPA, or it might have been a Kai conference. Ah, that's my memory. Uh, Kai. Okay. Now I've heard of a lot of these. I don't think I've heard of Kai. <laughs> How, what? It, what's? I'm sure it's computer, a, a computer human interaction conference. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Basically. But. <laughs> yeah. So Guthrie, if you with computer a, if you with computer with a K. No. Kai. No. <laughs> no, it's it's C H I. So why isn't it Chai? It, it like it's it's not or I don't sh- know. like Chicago. See the fact that Guthrie, you don't you don't know this conference means that it's been a couple of years since uh, <laughs> I've been to one. You know we're gonna um, one of the thing one of the podcasts I I mentioned that I to Guthrie that I wanted to do was a review of conferences that we've attended or or uh, spoken at to just kind of because there's so many great conferences to talk about that. And uh, I probably would have forgotten to put Kai on my list, but it Guthrie, it's um, it's a subgroup of the ACM. Is it still? It's still a subgroup of the ACM. Isn't Don't know it? what that means. Uh, Association of Computing Machinery. Which why, is, why would I know that? <laughs> which is a professional <laughs> computing group that's been around for decades. But so they're and, still around. Yeah, and then they years ago, like in the I don't know probably the 1980s or the 1990s, they formed a subgroup called Computer Human Interaction, and then they started having conferences, and they still are. Are, are they, Alfonso? I, I think so. I think so. But um, but see, this is kind of like an interesting way to start the conversation because one of the topics that uh, you know we were hopefully going to discuss today was kind of like what's happened to this industry in the past few years. Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's so interesting that, 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 yeah, that, I mean, first of all, I think that my memory tells me, I think that that was uh, 10 years ago, uh, uh, Susan, at a Kai conference uh-huh. where, you know, you guys were there with the Human Factors team and Eric Schaefer and company. Yeah, that's what um, I worked for Human Factors, yep. Yeah, and, and the thing is today, so if you're going to do a podcast, I think there's just a ton of conferences, new conferences that have, um, you know, um, been created in the fa- in the past few years, whereas that back then, and we're only talking again ten years ago, but it seems like thirty. Um, there was literally two or three, right? Like Kai, UPA, and a few others, and it was hundreds of us. Right now, you go to the UXPA conference in Boston, which is a local chapter over there, and you've got like a thousand people just in that little chapter or more, uh-huh. maybe two thousand. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's changed a lot, and I don't know. I actually, to be honest with you, I'm not sure 100 percent if the Kai conference is still around. But it was a very academic-driven, you know, where you would uh, a kind of conference where you would have 
you, know, you would present papers and you would do these amazing, weird little studies and research papers. Um, but uh, some professionals uh, like, uh, like, I guess, human factors and ourselves attended those conferences and mingled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like all of her connections, I mean, a lot of her connections are from those big conferences because you knew that this that there were, that the same people would show up year after year. Yes. Yeah, it really was. It. I mean, it was a way to. It was. It almost sometimes felt like a family reunion. You know, you go once <laughs> yeah. a year and connect with all the people that that you may not see except at the conference. And but it yeah, is, that's I, definitely lost. I mean, I've been to. I've been to kind of a lot of conferences now, and I feel like every time I go to a conference, it's totally new faces. It's a new group of people. Yep, every time. It's it it's what's going on in the industry, guys. I, I feel the exact same way, and I'm sure everyone in the industry feels the same way. Um, I, I also felt very, very very strong about the UPA and then the UXPA, uh, yeah. where you would meet customers. Yeah. In fact, for us, you know, being being a, a company, right? Uh, uh, and, and trying to use the conferences for business and for business development, et cetera, and learning and, and, and socializing, we ended up uh, in, a, in the past few years uh, saying that it's actually much more um, like the, what budget would this come from, for instance? Is it marketing or is it actually customer success or account management? Because we would meet more customers uh, as we grew as a, as a company. We would actually meet more customers in conferences than meet new customers and therefore uh, it was more about solidifying the relationship with those customers, you know, rather than yeah. <laughs> hunting for new ones. Yeah. 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 So, so we should probably talk for a minute um, before we get, get going too much on other topics uh, of interest, but we should probably just talk for a minute about uh, user zoom. Mm -hmm your company. So how did you, so you, you have this company, it's called user zoom. You do an, an amazing amount of, uh, it's, you have uh, like, like this whole, uh, suite of tools that do all kinds of user research stuff. But before you tell me about that, tell me how, what were you doing before you started user zoom and when did you start the company? Yeah, let me, I'm, I'm happy to tell you the story because I think it's pretty interesting for the audience. Um, there, there's a professional side of things and there's a personal side of things. Um, the whole idea was that uh, back in, in Spain, where I'm from, um, we had a more of a consulting model uh, before user Zoom. Uh, we had a company called Experience Consulting that was founded in 2001. And the idea was to be a usability company that would run uh, user testing and, and, and everything, you know, as many research studies as possible, but always in a lab, which is where most of the studies were being done back then. So um, you can, you can, if you think about it, I mean, I know you have been in this industry for a long time, but I remember people saying usability, what? I mean, like, what are you talking about? What, what is it that you do? So back in 2001 and in Spain, which is not a very mature market in terms of e-commerce and digital marketing, et cetera, um, it, this was a very risky move. And, and you know, my brother, uh, my older brother, who always uh, kind of, told me what to do um, was like, you're crazy, you know, you're going to fail. Uh, you know, you, you, what are you doing? You know, just go back to the corporation. Uh, you know, anyway, um, we started that. And uh, long story short, after a few years of actually fairly successful uh, business uh, growth and stuff, uh, it, it was just very hard to scale. Uh, it was extremely costly. 
you know, um, we knew that we just couldn't get past the, you know, the 20 to 30 employees maximum. And, you know, it, it was very hard. It, it became much, much harder every year. And then most of all, there was this thing about quantifying usability. So this thing about usability was always done with five to 10 users. It was very qualitative. And we always knew, and by this, by the way, I'm a marketing major myself, um, you know, I just thought, how are we going to get um, management to to make decisions based on such a small group of users? You know, and, and we, as founders, myself and my co-founding partners, we always struggled with that concept because we thought that, you know, we were adding a whole lot of value for sure, but, um, you know, we were never going to get past a certain, uh, I guess, certain limit. And that got us thinking about how we would be able to perhaps quantify user experience or usability, number one. And number two, how do we scale user research? How do we automate it? Uh, how do we make it a little easier for people to do, um, you know, using the internet and using software? So through the years of this, of this you know, again, pretty successful, all right, uh, you know, lifestyle business of uh, called experience consulting, we created UserZoom, um, which was supposedly initially just a project, internal project and product for us to use and to provide service, but then eventually took off as a software as a service company. Now, from a personal perspective, um, before I tell you what happened next, I had actually gone to high school. My parents sent me to high school when I was 16 years old here in the US. So from Madrid, I was supposed to be in the US for one year. Wow. Uh, and then I, yeah. They wanted they so, were trying to get rid of you apparently. They were. They were very much so. Uh, <laughs> very very much so. You know, for at least 10 months. <laughs> um <laughs> and and and, and, and let me explain this as part of the you know, how I explained the transition from experience consulting to user zoom. So that's kind of like a like a like a note uh, that I'm adding in the middle of the explanation here because my parents sent me when I was 16, but then it turned out to be a very successful um, I guess, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, escape, I guess, from, from my family and from my, and from my life in Madrid, because I liked it here in California, where I ended up in a very small town in San Diego, liked it so much, uh, played a lot of basketball. I'm a huge basketball fan. Mm -hmm. And if you can see, as you can see in the picture of my social media, <laughs> and I ended up staying for my senior year and I ended up getting a scholarship at San Jose State University. Uh, which is literally 10 minutes away from where I'm standing right now, um, you know, 20 to 24 years later. So long story short, I, I got my business degree, my marketing degree, went back to Spain, and then after a few years, founded Experience Consulting and founded UserZoom. And why did I bring this up? Well, because um, when we founded UserZoom, we actually got uh, the interest, we, we, we raised, um, uh, sorry, we, we attracted some American companies, even though we were in Spain, um, uh, you know, to run remote research, which is basically what we were doing with UserZone. We wanted to automate research and we wanted to make it remote so that you wouldn't have to be in the lab. Basically, we wanted to go beyond the lab and we wanted to quantify and run studies with 100 or 200 participants so we could get uh, statistical significant data. And so uh, basically, we all looked at each other, the three co-founders, and said, hey, if we're going to push this product and this market, sorry, the, 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 this business of UserZoom, um, it's probably best that we roll out a U.S. 
you know, office here. And I'm like, well, and of course, the three of us talked about it. And, you know, guess who's looking at me? Uh, because I had spent seven years of my life uh, in uh, in California. Uh, so I could speak English. And, you know, I was like, hey, why don't you just go out there? I'll, of the three co-founders, I'm, I'm, the, I'm not kind of like the biz dev sales guy. So, mm. so yeah, so I accepted. And I came over in 2009 uh, uh, and kind of moved here with the family with the hope that we could, uh, you know, launch the, the, the user zone business and uh, took a big, big gamble. Uh, as you can imagine, Spain was going down big time because of the economic crisis. And uh, yeah, and then we got going and user zone became, you know, started, you know, taking taking off and this UX testing, you know, was, was interesting. And so what we ended up doing is basically taking, like I said earlier, automating research and taking the lab over to the cloud, so to speak, and, uh, you know, doing remote testing, remote user research. Um, and that's how we got going. And that's, you know, how we got started. And then fast forward a few years to, to today. And, and uh, it's a completely different business, of course, uh, much bigger. Um, and yeah, we were lucky to have a good, I guess, lucky to some point, and, and we have good vision. Um, uh, and, and here we are 10 years later, uh, having raised $34 million from a local VC and about 200 employees and working with a whole bunch of companies uh, in the Fortune 1000 group uh, and kind of living the American dream, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so, so how many, okay, let's see, I'll let, you can answer this in what in whichever metric you want to use. So I want I want to get an idea of the scale. So you could tell me either how many customers you have, or you could tell me how many studies get run each year mm -hmm. with user Zoom, or mm -hmm. how do you? Mm -hmm. So uh, so tell us, give us an idea of how big this is. Yeah, I think that the number that I would tell you, uh, you know, happily you know, uh, share with you and everything is actually the second, because to me, that's actually my, my number one favorite KPI, yeah. uh, especially considering where we come from. Uh, um, we are, we, we have um, about 12,000 studies. These are, these are mostly usability studies, uh, but, but it also includes surveys. Okay. Uh, but about 12,000 studies last year. Uh, have gone through the users and platform. That's a few. That's a few. Yeah, especially <laughs> considering considering that uh, you know, in, in, in not that long ago, again, we were looking at you know maybe doing about um, you know maybe two, three, four, maybe ten a year, uh, not yeah. just with users, but in the lab, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The next stat would be um, uh, uh, not just the number of studies, but like on a per account level, we have a big range. But for instance, I can tell you that. Uh, one of the largest technology companies here in uh, in, in the Bay Area. Uh, and again, I have to be very careful with 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 you know uh, all the confidential stuff, right? right? But I can tell you, one of the big tech giants ran 500 studies last year. Yeah. Just um, on their own, with about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with less than like less than 10 hardcore users, you know, like uh, power users. Yeah. So we're looking at companies doing something this, that is what I call, um, again, I'm talking about this concept of democratization of user research. But, you know, it's very typical to have our companies or our clients say Thursday is the user Zoom day, right? And so they test on a weekly basis 
and they may have up to four studies running at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because there's been, you know, so much, so many changes and so much growth in the field of, you know, usability and user experience and and user research in general. Um, and I know that that you know people do a lot of things with with your tools. But this idea of what you just said, you know, uh, Thursday being you know testing day or whatever, this idea of 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 running a test is still so, you know, it's like it's one of the easy, in some ways, some of the easiest things that that we do if we if the we is, you know, experienced professionals, uh, and and it has such staying power over the years. You know, this idea yeah. that that you just you know, no matter all the other things you do, <laughs> right, to make sure that that you're designing something that that meets the needs of the humans you're designing it for, uh, there's still a point at which, or many points at which you just got to get, you know, you have to have that quick and easy way to get feedback from real people. And yeah, you know, right. running a, what, what we, what I might consider a basic user test is, is so important. So here's how I, always frame this uh, I, I, I find myself telling this story over and over again i'm talking a lot with gartner and forrester and analysts out there that are inquiring about this whole ux thing because they're they're hearing so much uh, there's so demand so much demand from the market and i always say the same thing first the first thing that i say is that boy is it hard is it incredibly hard to design great ux it is yeah like I, I can tell you from not just what I hear and what I see from customers, but our own product and our own website and all that stuff. I always knew that it was very difficult because I've been designing websites since 1996. But the thing is, it's gotten a lot more complicated given that we have multiple devices and most importantly, the demand for quick and easy, uh, you know, that, that, that even, even the end consumer doesn't realize it, but they're kind of like expecting it now. I remember the years back then when, when, when we could say, ah, the user, the end user will get used to it or will figure it out, we'll kind of force them. That's over. You see, that's over. That's like that's like that's like the president today doing something. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's going to tweet about it. Everyone is on the spot, right? So companies uh, have to deliver great experience because today we live we live in this world where you just can't afford to ship bad crap. You know? So. No, so so I had asked this question of Susan a, a while ago, you know, because when she first started, there was no standard of what a you know website was supposed to look like. There was there was just you it was really a blank slate, and I was wondering if there was just like this arms race now, where even let's just say that you are the worst designer you can really think of, but you know, and you're very, you just start out with with a dollar in your pocket, um, but. You know, you look at what everyone else does, and you just kind of cobble together between that and a Squarespace, and you cobble together something that's rather functional and sort of, you know, relatively useful. Um, and I was and I was wondering if you know if, if the importance of UX had been slightly diminished in any way because uh, of it, of there there is no 
there, there's just no room for bad design anymore because everyone has like these kind of what what if you took if you took like a poor website today and transported it back a decade it would be you know the most well designed organized thing in the in the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear where you're going, and I will tell you that to some extent, yes, there is certain templates and certain um, let's just say uh, trends, design trends, and elements that people understand. And by the way, these are not new because Jacob Nielsen has been talking about heuristics for a long, long time, right? So some of those trends are, but here's how I see it. And, and, and by the way, I, I actually say this myself uh, and think about it myself. Uh, your, your question is, is really interesting because I'm, I'm running a business that's, you know, that's scaling and there's a lot of heads and I have to wonder, you know, whether we are actually making an impact or not. Otherwise, you know, why would we charge so much money? Um, and so to your point, the thing about it is I think that even though we, you may have some design elements, some, some, let's just say, you know, widely adopted practices that, yeah, that even a bad designer or a new designer can, can, can use. Uh, the fact is everything is going digital, everything. Like y- you see this comment from Andreessen Horowitz uh, or from Mark Andreessen, software, software is eating the world. Mm-hmm. So, so what's happening is that if you think about the elements of user experience, it's more than just designing for usability, for instance, right? Like to, to get tasks done. Uh, today, if you have everyone in the cloud and you want to produce great UX, there's a ton of elements that are very, you know, like it's beyond um, beyond uh, design, design schemes or, or templates. It's about understanding users' behavior, um, feelings, how things change over time. Uh, users are now doing a lot more over mobile than they were doing over uh, the desktop. Um, but but there's still a huge amount of traffic over the desktop. And uh, enterprises, because by the way, enterprise UX is a kind of a different chapter from you know any UX. Enterprises, you know, only 25% of software in the enterprise today is in the cloud. 75% is to be clouded or to be <laughs> to be uh, you know redesigned for the for the cloud and for you know so that transformation requires a whole lot of ux expertise ux profiles you know great designers and that's what we're seeing uh and i think jacob nielsen again i reference him again because he wrote this um you know fairly uh or rather um uh interesting i guess uh article where he's talking about how in 12 in, in 2050, we're gonna have a we're gonna need like I think a hundred million professionals or something like that. You know, uh, in the UX practice, uh, I think he's talking about, of course, designers, researchers, and interaction designers, and inter, inter, you know, information architects, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess to, just to wrap up the point, um, I don't think. I mean, there may be some uh, again some. Uh, um, uh, application of, 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 of design templates and, 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 and you know, um, typical uh, uh, ways to go about designing simple websites. But when it comes to really competing online, really uh, uh, competing in the online marketplace, uh, going to the cloud and, and getting, you know, difficult to use, or it's not difficult to use, sorry, I would say, you know, highly interactive uh, systems. I think UX uh, can really, really, uh, it has a big job to do basically is what I think. Yeah. I mean, it, I, 
I think there really is a distinction between um, what we would call like a a basic website and then the interactive uh, software, the interactive apps that people are creating in order to have people get things done. And, you know, the as you said, the number of things that we're doing that you now need to do with software apps is is so much larger. So if you're designing, you know, a banking app, uh, an app to, to check your uh, health um, insurance account for, uh, you know, the, the corporate health insurance account, the uh, all the all the other apps that are out there that I mean there are there are there are standards and de facto standards for those as well but but it's not as though you can just apply a a basic template and I one of the interesting trends Guthrie and I have talked about as we've seen in some of our consulting work and and I want to ask you a question about this too Alfonso because. We've seen a trend. There are two different trends that I've seen recently. One is that the the let's see. I'm not phrasing this very well because I'm just thinking of it uh, as I'm talking. We've been asked to do some consulting recently, in which we're evaluating the basic usability of basic online forms for a company. I mean, we're talking about, you know, actually, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you were, you were, you were laughing. Very similar. I was very. I, we got out of a meeting uh, where we were reviewing these screens, and I swear I had reviewed screens almost exactly like this. I'm not joking. In the 1980s, okay. All right, it was the late <laughs> 1980s, but it was the 1980s. And but you know we, there's still a need to do these tasks. I'm not even going to say what industry it's in. Still the need to do it. So there's you know forms and and new forms being designed, and it was as though no one designing those forms had ever heard of the usability. You know it was all the things. All the I said I turned to Guthrie and I said, oh my God, I just. You know, we're going through usability 101. We are talking back to the basics, like, uh, you know, do you left align the data and do you left align the labels and do you use colons? And, you know, what is there a problem with an error message that, uh, uh, said, you know, sounds like it was written by, um, a four-year-old computer. Well, and and then the, and then the, it was compounded by the fact that we were given you know a bunch of slides to to look at. Be like, okay, look at these different screens and and you know make where can we make the usability better? But they were not in any sort of order. So <laughs> so it, so it was like it was like uh, you know various like signups and logins and that kind of stuff. But like there was no user flow. So just the idea that the the that you that, that design maybe. is also the experience of doing something and not just one right that maybe the company should yeah so we had to actually you know say to them you know it's not just the individual screen it's the flow and the order of the screens to get a task done yeah because they had thrown at us like screens from like 
what looked like, you know, 10 different tasks, but we never got like, here's the, the flow of screens when someone's trying to do this task. So I, I was like, I was actually a little, I mean, it, it was interesting. It was very easy consulting because I had done it so many times before, but it was a little scary to me because I felt like, you know, uh, how could this large modern company, you know, be kind of back to the stone age really in, in terms of usability, you know, how, how could we get to a place where we're back here? What happened to everybody? Uh, is this because there's all, new people and and I so I want to I want to get your take on that but I also want to ask yeah. a related question because I'm getting a lot of uh, you know we do a lot of training for clients we do workshops and we have online video training on lots of topics behavioral science as well as you know you user experience topics and and we're in the in the uh, process right now of doing some some uh, marketing research with with clients, you know, about what's going on in their, in their user experience departments. And one thing we're starting to hear over and over is, I'll give you an example. One of our clients said to us, well, I have some people on staff that, you know, are, are user researchers, right? They know how to, they know all the ins and outs of, for instance, conducting a usability test, but I don't have very many of them. And a lot of the the rest of the team needs to be able to run, con, plan, conduct, run their own use, usability tests, and they really don't know, you know, the the details of how to do that. And as you you and I know, Alfonso, that you know, being able to to craft a good test. Although in some ways it's simple, in some ways it's not. I mean, it takes skill and there's, there's definitely uh, do's and don'ts and best practices of how to decide what to test, how to decide how to phrase the, the test questions so that you get data that's useful to you. And that this idea that, that the, the number of designers and the number of people involved in in user experiences is kind of mushrooming and, and growing very large, but that the number of people who really have those skills to run user tests and do other kinds of in-depth user research is is not certainly not as large and maybe even is shrinking. So that was a lot of me talking. I'll let you comment yeah, on no, all no. that. I think you, you hit on, on several. So one is the, the last concept you, you talked about is training, and I have a lot of stuff to comment about training and education. So I'll get to that one. The other ones that you also mentioned that I'd like to just to to add uh, some some of my thoughts uh, would be this larger organization uh, forms, and then I was also going to kind of uh, complete my my story on the, how hard it is to design with actually um, the opposite, which is how do we make UX competitive? So. Oh, sorry, your competitive advantage. How do we make user experience your competitive advantage? So let me take one one by one, these three concepts, this, uh, these three topics. One is the larger, this, this large company you were saying, and it's probably, I'm gonna guess, in the healthcare or, or banking uh, area, probably not in the retail space, uh, but I'll, I'll just guess. And I'm not gonna say. To, you're not gonna <laughs> say, no, you're not gonna say. But 
Uh, here's the thing, guys. The, the larger the company, the worse, right? I mean, because the thing about, to me, one of the main killers or enemies of great UX is politics. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, being being a large organization. You mean, you you mean corporate, corporate politicking? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Corporate yeah. politics. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Uh, nothing to do with, with uh, uh, Republicans or Democrats or whatever. I'm talking about corporate politics, yes. Um, you have to make decisions. And, you know, some people in the corporation, as we all know, you know, they're there to sometimes, you know, mostly cover their butts and, and, and their work, uh, you know, may not be uh, as innovative. So innovation gets trumped, you know, at, at the corporation level because, uh, uh, because it's so big. Um, so then the little guys are able to kind of move and make decisions faster. And so design is about making decisions about, you know, hey, we got to change this. We've got to make this better. This, And I think that's why still in the enterprise today, a lot of this UI is totally outdated, like from 30 years ago. Um, and, and I think that we still have a ways to go. Uh, as I said, only 25% uh, according to Gainsight, because this this data, uh, this this uh, stat comes from Gainsight, uh, a partner that we use uh, ourselves for account management and customer success. And they, they claim that only 25% uh, of the software uh, in the enterprise uh, has been kind of redesigned for the cloud and, you know, everything else is just totally outdated. So the bigger the company, the bigger the, bigger the difficulty to actually get great UX. Um, by the way, another topic on the large companies that to me, UX starts from the top. Like it's not about you know a design team or whatever. You can have the greatest, this is, you know, Michael Jordan uh, leading leading the design team. If you have, uh, uh, if you don't really have a, a management buy-in, and I'm talking about the CEO and the C-level organization, uh, I think I think you're not going to make it when it comes to to being you know to delivering great customer experience. Now the second thing, um, the second topic was uh, this concept of of again you know like how much really can UX impact today you know uh, um, if we have a bunch of design templates well here's the thing uh, the way I see it guys is you can actually take it to another to the other extreme and I'm seeing I'm seeing how great UX actually can be the main competitive competitive advantage see this thing UX is, is a little bit contaminated as a concept because to me, great UX is nothing but a great go-to-market strategy. It's part of a great go-to-market strategy. It's part of a great marketing strategy. Like if, if you were to write, uh, the other day I gave a talk uh, here at San Jose State University Business School, and I told them, if you're to write a business plan, to me, that business plan should include a UX strategy. You know, you got the numbers and you got the, 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 you know, the financials and all that stuff. What about your UX? Because to me, UX is, is your brand. It's going to be how you go about the market. It's how you're going to build this building, right? So you have, you have to have architects, uh, construction workers, designers, uh, decorators. It's part of building this building. So if you're going to build a business, you have to add UX. Now, here's an example that comes to mind, and I'm sure there's like a hundred others right now, but other than Amazon taking over the world, here's an example of a company that we internally, uh, um, you know, decided to, to use as an application. It's called Trip Actions. Okay, Trip Actions. Now, what does these guys, what, what do these guys do? These guys are a startup. They're not that big. But here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have heard of Concur, um, which is an, a, another large uh, company that, that helps with travel management and, and among other things. The UI for Concur is okay and we've been we've been using it 
But then here comes Trip Actions and says, with this awesome UI and this awesome UX, you're actually able to not only be more productive when you're doing travel planning and travel scheduling and arrangements and all that, but you're also saving money because we also, in the UX, we include a way for you to see how much you're potentially saving uh, if, the, if, the, if the employee, in this case, uh, you know, uses this hotel versus the other because it's maybe $30 cheaper. And what they do is they've created this um, interesting mechanism whereby if you're saving the company money as an employee, uh, you know, booking your travel, you get money, you get paid, you, you, you get, uh, you get uh, reward. So the company saves and the employee saves. And that's all done through the TripActions app, which I've seen personally, and I can tell you, it's just beautifully designed. I mean, it's just well put together, not only from a look and feel perspective, which you know, which is kind of like a like a something you take for granted these days. It's really well designed from an interaction design perspective, from a from a UX, from a you know, it, it's got this this great help tips here and there. It guides you. It's a very guided experience. Yeah. Now, what what has happened from a business perspective, not from a UX perspective? What has happened is that we have replaced concurs tools with a TripAction tool. Um, basically, TripActions is financially more competitive, uh, uh, is better and sells more and is a better company. It's, it's basically a, um, a more competitive uh, um, player in this space because of their UX. And what we're seeing, and I think this is kind of like how I would wrap up this, this concept and then I would move on to training, but what we're seeing, guys, for the first time, I don't think, Susan, I don't think we knew this back then, but what we're seeing is that great UX equals great financial results. It's impacting the bottom line of businesses in such a way that in the last few years, what we're seeing is C-level uh, organizations, the, 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 the McKinsey's, the, the, um, the gardeners, the, 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 the the, the management consulting, uh, the Accentures, the, the, you know, companies that were not necessarily worrying much about design or UX in the past are all over this now, guys. All over. Yeah, I mean, some of them have their own, essentially their own UX consultancies within the, the business management consultancies. So, Correct, correct. But I mean, like, you know, Capital One acquiring Adaptive Path kind of story, right? Yeah. Um, you know, design thinking, you know, that IBM has posted out there. I, I just basically think that, you know, from one extreme, which is what Guthrie was saying about how, isn't isn't this UX something we can actually kind of do easily, you know, with some templates? We go to the other extreme where it's so complicated and so, um, it is so difficult and yet it's so important that actually UX probably has a more relevant space in the market than ever before. And it's probably why we are growing why we're doing well, why uh, there's so much demand out there, why Facebook has 200 UXers, Google 400. I, I mean, on and on and on, guys, you know? Uh, no. You know, and, and I think it's so interesting because, um, <clears throat> you know, for a long time, and maybe it was just happenstance, I've, I've, I've always connected that... Um, financial gain to the whole idea of usability and why you would want to do this. I mean, I remember, I remember when I first got involved in the field, uh, you know, I was doing it because it was 
interesting from a psychological point of view because I was, you know, I have a PhD in psychology. But very early on in my career, one of the first projects that I ever worked on was for an insurance company that had, um, and this was a, such one of these just kind of random stories. So uh, I was teaching a class on on usability, and it was a public class, and it was in a hotel. And I remember while teaching the class that somebody like popped their head into the meeting room, you know, like they were in the back of the room. And I was like, not, I, you, you know, you're teaching and you're all involved and you realize someone's standing in the back of the room and it, you kind of notice, wait a minute, why is there someone in the back of the room and who is that? But you know, you're not going to stop your teaching right. to deal with it. <laughs> and then by the time I, you know, had time to do anything about it, you know, he was gone. And then, uh, shortly after that, um, the company that I was teaching for got a phone call. It was apparently from this guy who was like a VP at a insurance company, a very large insurance company who happened to be at another meeting at the hotel and like happened to, he saw like the sign about, I mean, you know, we probably had a sign up for the course that said something like, you know, how to design more effective CRT screens or something because this was a long mm -hmm. time ago, and he had he had uh, saw, saw the sign for what the meeting was and stuck his head in because he mm -hmm. had just had an experience as a VP at this insurance company where um, real estate appraisers the the insurance company owned a lot of commercial real estate and a real estate one of the real estate appraisers filling out an online form because the form was hard to fill out had filled it out incorrectly and the company had uh and so it was for real commercial building real estate appraisal and the appraisal had gone through and the interaction that had gone through and they had lost seven million dollars overnight from this one bad online form wow and you know this was of interest <laughs> to to this VP, and this was decades ago, where seven million dollars was worth even more than it is now. And even now, it sounds like a pretty large number. And so he became very instantly very interested in what could he do to improve the usability of the company's online forms. And and then we ended up doing a lot of consulting work and 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 training all their at that time programmers because nobody had UX people at, back then. And so you know I've always because of that and that happened to me early in my in my UX you know career uh, consulting career that I've always tied in this idea that you know when there are uh, and in fact, unfortunately, this is when it gets noticed is when there's disasters, right? Then, yeah. then someone, uh, you know, decides to do something, but a lot of people obviously trying, deciding to do it before disasters, but, but that when there is that tie in to the, of the bottom line to usability and UX work. And so to me, that always made sense to me, it always, 
you know, I, I, I knew that I, I cared about it because I wanted people to have a great experience, but I also knew that it would get paid for, uh, by, because the, the, at the corporate level, people would understand how this, you know, what the bottom line was in terms of profit. Okay. But I want to push back Oh, I just wanted to say quickly that here at UserZoom, Susan is known as the ROI lady. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's um, right. I forgot. And, we, I didn't forget, and, but we've done a and, lot of webinars. <laughs> and I'm looking at a screen right now that we use for our pitches and for when I pitch to, to the analysts and to investors or whatever, where I have you and your picture <laughs> on a recent study uh i think you were involved in the career foundry perhaps study or something but you know maybe another different one but it talks about this global it expenditures and the 150 billion dollar loss due to abandoned projects so i have you on the screen right now <laughs> funny yeah Guthrie, what were you gonna say well okay so that's like all well and good and great and blah 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 <laughs> um but <laughs> but what we're finding in our work and it's something that you had highlighted to you know, to check out was that what's what's happening is, you know, UX is so hot right now and the company is looking at their, you know, at how they're structuring their teams and they're like, well, you know, UX is everywhere. We need UX. We have this dev team that does all of the agile coding. Hey, you guys, you also here, here's like, 20 bucks go do some uh, usability <laughs> stuff and then we don't need to hire anyone or we'll fire the the ux team you know they're so expensive and they take forever and they don't fit into our agile process let's just ignore them and then uh and 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 so so we're seeing more my my opinion i'm seeing more people do ux than ever before and at the same time there's less ux work being done on a per project basis than ever before like it's it's like but before they were doing ux or like they never heard of it and now everyone's yes. doing ux but it's just like a sprinkle on top that's interesting yes. i actually agree i would say i agree uh uh susan and and, and Catherine. so the question is is it good or bad right um what, what does it really mean um if you think on one side, if you think about the fact that when we were doing testing, we were all yelling out loud, do more testing and do it earlier and do it more frequent. Don't just wait. Come on. It's going to cost you 10 times more to, do, to, to redo it. If you, you know, if you discover the problems early, you're going to uh, save a lot of money. I remember teaching usability myself. And I remember you know, basically saying this and, 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 and commenting and writing about it. Um, obviously, so that we could, you know, uh, do bring value to the to the businesses by by selling our services. Um, well, now, guess what? Now we have thousands of studies going on. Shouldn't we be happy? <laughs> Shouldn't we be celebrating? Well, yes or no. Um, I would say that it's definitely good that we see a lot more testing going on, and certainly that it is embedded in the practice. Uh, in the development cycle and design cycle, because if you do it properly and you catch it early, then you move on and, and you make decisions, you make better design decisions. There's no question about that. However, if you post the question the wrong way, you get wrong, you get bad data, right? Um, if you just rely on a simple 
video clip from two or three users, you may not have enough evidence. If you um, don't have somebody, you know, really, um, you know, with some sort of rigor, uh, um, you know, analyzing the results, you may come to the wrong conclusion. So where are we at today? I would say we're in a position, and this is kind of like the third topic uh, that, that, that Susan brought up. I think we're in a position where we need to train. We really need to train and study and, 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 and educate. Um, I think that right now, all of us in this profession have this almost almost this duty to help out, to treat, to teach, to train, to do, uh, you know, um, research, design research consulting, design research uh, training. We do this. We have created in our own company and users, and we created a, a, a team that we call the customer enablement team. And what is customer enablement? It's about onboarding, training, suggesting, uh, helping, you know, um, um, uh, uh, strategize, strategizing a little bit because sometimes research, if you can, if you can have a strategy instead of just you know kind of like putting band-aids to things with a little test here and there. But if you can be, if you can make this part, part of a roadmap, part of a you know make user user experience and user research part of your strategy and your roadmap, uh, you know as part of your design uh, sprints, etc. Then it doesn't then it doesn't feel like it's a band-aid. It feels like it's just part of the process. And what we're seeing. And I'll finish with this, and I'll let, you know. Hopefully, you know, you guys can comment on your thoughts. But what I'm seeing is that the most successful ones are the ones that have uh, the most successful cases. I'm saying organizations have you know a high degree of UX maturity. We we all know about the UX maturity model, but you know they typically have people in house. Uh, they have a budget. They have a clear mandate or a clear uh, uh, you know let's just say order from up top uh, that says. You have to have certain UX KPIs. You you know you have to test things. Um, you have to comply. You know you don't just ship crap. Uh, you have to be user centric, uh, and so you you do have a cadence. You do the tests either remotely, uh, moderated, unmoderated, you know whatever. Uh, but you you definitely make decisions based on those, and and they um, and, and they have testing kind of like an ongoing basis rather than this occasional uh, uh, you know situations where it's already too late or whatever and they have a pro they also have a, one, one last thing i'll mention they have potentially a ux researcher that knows how to go about research teaching and enabling the organization we help them we help those guys out quite a bit but enabling those designers and developers that may not be ready well they're teaching them they're enabling them they're they're checking out that they're doing the right thing here and there rather than leave them alone uh, that's what i'm seeing right now in the market guys Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, though, though, I mean, it, so because I don't know, Su Susan with her long history, I mean, there are there are definitely camps of, oh, you should do UX this way for best results or that way for best results. And it's kind of interesting that, well, the companies that have their act together and make design a priority, regardless of like what process they're using, seem to have the best results. I, I find that fascinating as well. You know, like the other thing to consider here is that we as UXers and, and researchers, we need to adapt also to what's happening. So agile uh, and the fact that you can design something really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could fight it and say, no, 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 wait a minute, slow it down. And I think that in, to, some, to some extent, I'm seeing that because agile is kind of like a funny term, right? I, I keep hearing there's all this 
definition so agile yeah um and i'm not really an agile expert myself but i know enough to know you know what's going on and the fact is that sometimes you know uh we kind of have to adapt adapt to the agile and agile also has to adapt and say hey wait 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 a minute the, the, the ultimate result here is not speed to market and you know it's speed to market with quality right with the quality of the on, on the product design here uh the ui etc and the flows and so um if you can if you can um basically you know embed research within the methodology and be able to do some rapid testing um one of the things that i'm seeing also and that we're working on quite a bit is automation on the on the on the on the both the design and the result side uh the analytics side um to your point Guthrie, on you know you may not know how to write a study but the fact is we can give them templates we can give them a lot of guidance on like mm-hmm. you know a guided experience on mm-hmm. what it is that you should be asking um and why and then in the kind of in the reports um what i'm seeing is also the fact that you know there's no real time for creating a powerpoint report and kind of discussing the results you know on a table of what, 10 people and then going back and deciding what to do the, the reporting is about these nuggets this specific pieces uh, like tom tom or sharon uh called them um you know um what do you call it? atomic uh, atomic nuggets of uh, information. I don't remember. He wrote an article, a really interesting article that I referenced quite a bit. It, you know that 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 video clip that showed something, and then you can say, "Hey, well, it's only one video clip. How many?" Well, I actually ran another study and showed that you know, actually, sixty out of a hundred, or, or there's eighty out of a hundred people, you know, have have that issue. You know, and so you may inform uh, at some point the design process with very si- simple, basic nuggets of information. You know, conclusions that you come to. And then you're like, well, let's let's test this hypothesis again next week or, 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 or in two weeks, and maybe we we'll run it with a larger sample. We're doing this ourselves. We use user Zoom every week. Uh, uh, you know, we got a long way to go, by the way, because uh, our our interface can can definitely improve. I think like anybody, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sure. hide that. Uh, you know, uh, um, and so we use it internally, and 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 I find these guys sometimes. You know, the research team coming to me, and you know, within the product team and design team coming to me with some really br- brilliant ideas uh, based out of research that kind of guide the, 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 the design process. Um, so, you know, ultimately we're in this stage and I, I guess I would summarize it in this stage where I think we're seeing a lot of positive things, a lot more testing than ever before, uh, a lot more opinion, a lot more design is done based on user feedback than the wild guesses than, of the past. It's actually impacting the results and the quality of the products out there so that it can be financially um, you know better off and more competitive but at the same time um, there is a little bit of this uh, danger in the democratization of research where um, if you don't do it right uh, you, you can also you can also kill you or not maybe kill you but really you know uh, harm you i guess uh, in, in the design process so i think training and education is a big one from here to the next probably the next few years Hmm. Um, yeah, as we move on, as we move forward. All right. So now I have a question about the future. <laughs> okay. Let's so, here's, here's my crystal ball. Here's my crystal ball right yes, here. Yes, you got it. You got, yeah, you got took it. it out. All right. I guess <laughs> I have two questions about the future. One being perhaps a little more practical than the other. I'm not sure. Um, so one question would be, you know, what, what do you see if, if you can share and you may not be able to share um, but what can you see as being, you know, future 
ideas you would like to build into your products uh, about, you know, how people will be doing testing, how people will be gathering user research data in the future. And then the other question, I'll ask them both at the same time and you can decide what to answer, is, uh, and Guthrie, I know, is just going to be, he's going to roll his eyes. He knows. I know my, he is. My 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 eyes are already no already I'm, rolling. I'm not yeah. gonna roll my eye. Well, I guess you it depends are. What you you are because I'm gonna ask about you know what what do you think of and are you guys thinking or, or are you thinking about the role that you know AI machine learning. By the way, said, yeah. I just saw a great picture. Um, yeah. Where there were where AI was trying to identify different types of dogs. Yes. And it kept identifying muffins as dogs. Like blueberry That's... muffins with like the two eyes looks a lot like a blueberry chihuahua. Blueberry muffins are a lot like a it's chihuahua. It's a really I amazing picture. Anyway, so um, <laughs> if you guys are planning or thinking about using AI what? in terms of either doing user research or analyzing user research or making recommendations from user you're, research. You're in California, right? I am. Yeah. Of course, they're they're thinking about AI. Uh, no, I it's don't California. Know. You can't you can't walk down the street <laughs> without the California, ice cream truck using AI is. to. <laughs> you know what? That's exactly how I was going to answer. It's not so much about it's not so much about California. The thing is, I I attended this conference last week, oh. uh, Saster Saster oh conference. Um, yeah. And yeah, to your point, Guthrie. I mean, it's just all over the place. People are talking about it like they're talking about coffee, but. <laughs> Here's the thing, I I don't believe so much in this I in this AI thing. I mean, maybe I'm mistaken, or maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. The way I look at it, guys, is isn't technology in general artificial intelligence? Like, I think the only reason why they're talking so much about AI is because we're kind of like saying, no, more human stuff is going to be done by a machine, like more human stuff. But isn't that already what's happening? Isn't software doing and automating? things that we used to do. I mean, like, we, didn't we used to just fill out the survey through through a paper or maybe through a phone, you know, survey, yeah. and now we do it through SurveyMonkey? I, I don't I don't really understand. I, I guess that this, you know, there, there's a there's a Hollywood aspect to this, right? There's this uh, romantic aspect of, oh, AI, artificial intelligence, meaning that a human is going to have, like, we're going to have a robot, like Spielberg movie, right? Or the or the movie Her. I, I, I'm Honestly, I mean, other than Tesla self-driving cars, which is, by the way, something I'm really, really scared of. Uh, being <laughs> me, a, a racing, a racing uh, fan, uh, you know, motorsport fan myself. Um, other than that, than that um, I don't know. I, I, I just cannot, I cannot see this art, artificial intelligence concept that clearly yet. Um, I, I just think that software is eating the world, and so everything is being taken care of by software, and it's getting more. More sophisticated, but I don't like I don't like AI, and so that kind of leads me to the question: I don't like the concept of AI so much. I guess I'm not just I'm just not taking it yet, basically, you know. Um, so, um, so that leads me to the question you were you were, or, or to the point about the future, uh, that Susan, you brought up. What I do see is automation, right? Which is kind of like the same thing, but I like I like the concept of automation, basically. What I'm trying to, what, what I'm seeing, and I, I'm already seeing it today because we are building some stuff that may be extremely sophisticated and some advanced users are adopting it, but some others, you know, are clearly not there yet. And they're taking, they're, they're using the very basic features that we launched five years ago, you know. But what I'm seeing is that 
for instance, one of the major pain in the uh, in the UX research, user research, um, you know, the testing um, uh, world that we're speaking about is connecting with users, connecting with those participants. I can tell you that every time we talk to somebody, they are like, oh, do you find them for us? Uh, you know, oh, it's so important to get the right participants, you know, and I want to go back to those participants over and over again uh, because I want to make this more longitudinal and, you know, I'm testing every week. So, you know, how do you how do we find those guys that are able to to kind of participate in a constant basis and kind of be part of our you know, design process? And so what I'm seeing, you know, and this is just one of the things, there's plenty more, but um, there's the automation of how you uh, involve your end user and your customer into the design process and into your company. Like how involved are they, how close they are to your company and how you're going to find them. So I can envision communities and you know, so-called the private panels. Um, this is already happening out there, but I'm, I'm just thinking that, you know, it's going to become mainstream where you have a way to access your panels on a constant basis and test usability in, a, in, a, in hours and, and basically um, do this across every single, every single thing you do all the time in every single product in every single web property, uh, at every level of the organization, you know, in, in all companies, whether whether it's small or big, I can just that's the that's the thing. It's going to become so automated that you just kind of almost push a button, almost, and you, you're already collecting feedback, right? So it's not this like major event that you're doing these tests. It's kind of world where we come from. It's really embedded in the process, and it's so automated that uh, you know. It's almost like not even called a test. It's just part of design. To me, research is design. Uh, it's always been, and uh, and that's what that's one thing. The other thing is in the analytics. The other trend I see is because the other hardest part, uh, the first one was finding participants. The second one is uh, actually automating the basically the consumption of data. Um, basically, uh, 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 how to make the right decisions based on the large amount of data you collect when you're doing user experience research. So you may collect videos, for instance, uh, or you may collect, uh, you know, open-ended questions uh, through surveys, or you have analytics, uh, traffic analysis, you have uh, uh, ratings, uh, you know, um, voice of customer uh, feedback on the website. There's a ton of data out there related to the quality of the user experience or customer experience. And so how do we make that consumption of data more automated, more easy to understand? For instance, um, we, we, we see how um, there's waste. And we've, we've done this, but I don't want to make this a user something. But uh, you know, what you can do out there is you can you can filter, you can, you can basically not have a full video, but just have um, specific uh, moments where the machine, the software, has is able to see whether there's a problem or not, um, whether the customer was happy or not, whether there's a, a negative comment or not, whether uh, uh, there's a problem. Imagine not having to go through those videos, right, uh, over one hour, and automating the way that you consume that data. Um, imagine emotional recognition where you can see if somebody's unhappy, what if what, what if the system was able to recognize that you're pissed because you wrote something and automatically right there, boom, there's a, some sort of a, again, 
uh, chat uh, uh, person or, or something that suggests, hey, let me help you out. You know, like right there on your mobile phone. To me, that's where companies like Amazon, Google, uh, Apple, I mean, all those guys are probably going in that direction where things just get so automated that, you know, it, you just resolve the problems right away and that turns into a, into a fantastic UX, right? So both um, how you connect to participants and your, your, your user base and how you analyze the data, all of it, you know, much more automated thanks to software. I think those are big trends. I don't know. That sounds like AI to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, so I think AI. I mean, the thing is, p people use the term AI in a in a poor way, but it really AI just means smarter software, smart automation. There you go. Yeah, there you go. But I, I, you know, I think what you're saying is so interesting because I think those two, you can almost think of those as bookends to the user research, right? This idea of well, we wanted user research, but we got it, you know, how are we getting people to do user research on? And that does continue to be to be a, a huge issue for some people and, and, and sometimes, you know, a stopping point because it's like, I don't know, how do we go get people? And then the other, you know, so you need, you need the people, you need to go out and get them in order to do your study. Then you do your study. And then, as you know, as you're saying, on the other end, you have, okay, you know, we've got some data what what do we do with it and i do think that those are you know wonderful probably wonderful opportunities for for you guys moving forward to make to make those bookend pieces as easy and seamless as as the middle user research piece is well where i think where I, where I think and just to just to wrap just i guess to, to comment on that where i think yeah. ai will not get to at least in the at least in the foreseeable future is all right, so based on all this data, based on all these results, what should we do and what should we do redesign? What should we do about it? What like the creative side of things? Yeah, and I'm not sure I'm not sure I agree with you. I think we might get there faster than you think. Whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, I don't know. But but well, what, we'll so see. we can yeah. we'll come back in 3 years we'll do this conversation again and we'll see. see oh my gosh, that would be fun. Which way it went? Which way it went? <laughs> Hey, um, um, if people want to reach you, yeah. Guthrie, did you have something else you wanted to throw in? Before yeah, but you we... can do that first. Okay, so if people want to reach you, Alfonso, or reach the, or reach UserZoom, what is the best way to to get hold of you? Yeah, there's a website, obviously, you know, www.userzoom.com, and uh, you know you got a lot of uh, information there. There's also a, a contact form, um, you know, where it's easy to reach us. My email is alfonso at userzoom.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn and at Twitter uh, at DLNOS23. Um, I think that's the best way. Okay. And then, Guthrie. Uh, yeah. So uh, basketball, what's your, what's your team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I'll, be, I'll be very, very, very honest here. Um, I grew up a Lakers fan. Sure. Um, when I was in Madrid, and you remember when I told you that I, my mom, my dad, my parents said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna kick you out for a year, uh, and you're gonna go and mature um, uh, to the U.S. I told them um, two things. One is uh, I'm, I'm scared, uh, <laughs> and the second was, but if I'm gonna do it, um, please send me to California next to somewhere close to the L.A. Lakers so That's I can watch. So funny. 
Magic Johnson play. And um, uh, what happened and was, and by the way, on my LinkedIn profile, you can read this story because I decided to just write a funny story rather than the boring stuff that everybody writes. Um, you know, basically what happened was that I got sent. So I live, I'm from Madrid, Spain. It's 5 million people, yeah. a big Mecca, you know, a big, big, big city. Uh, I grew up in the sixth floor of a tall building, uh, 1,100 square feet. And that's just basically how most people live. Um, well, when uh, they sent me to the U.S., they sent me to this. Again, I, I wanted to be somewhere in L.A. And, and, and go watch the Lakers play. And they sent me to this small town called Ramona in North County, in the middle of nowhere, in the mountains, in San Diego. <laughs> when, I, when I got there, I could smell the manure. You know, it was just farming you know, horses and cows all over the place. I had never seen a cow before. And um, yet they had a huge, super-duper basketball program. Um, the coach was from Michigan. He ended up taking me to meet Magic Johnson in person. Oh, my God. Uh, for my birthday, how cool and, is that? Uh, and I and I have a picture with him, um, and I ended up getting a scholarship. So hey, you know you may end up in this little small farming town, but uh, dreams dreams do happen. Now I grew up a Lakers fan, but I gotta say that living in the Bay Area and seeing what's happening in the last few years, I gotta say I, uh, I I'm I'm, bi- I'm a big fan of the Warriors as well. So uh, a, there you have that's it. That's a very California. <laughs> Uh, bandwagon um, answer. I like it a lot. All right. Well, um, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been watching a little uh, Real Madrid for Donkic because oh, yeah. the Bulls, the Bulls oh, yeah. might get that number one pick. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm entirely sold yet, but we'll, we'll see. Yep. The Bulls, uh, the Bulls need some help. So yes. So, uh, so there you go, Susan. You're learning a little bit about. Um, no, I tuned lore. out for that whole yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much, Alfonso, for for coming on and talking with us. And uh, thank you. Got three people who want to reach us. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions for us or anyone, um, you can email us at info at the teamw.com. Uh, right. I don't know if there's anything else we want to plug. Uh, anything else you want to plug? No, I just want to say that uh, I really, really appreciate it. I was so excited when I heard uh, you guys, you know, kind of invited me over to do the, the, the podcast. Um, so just want to really thank you. And uh, yeah, definitely invite you to, to talk again, in maybe in two to three years, maybe not three, because two years is a long time. Uh, so we can kind of catch up and see how things go. But thank you so much. <laughs> All right, it's great having you on. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.